All right, my friends, welcome back to your Bible, book by book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of 2 Thessalonians. And Paul writes uh, this second letter to the uh, church in Thessalonica pretty quickly after he wrote the uh, the first letter. So um, just as a quick reminder, um, what had happened was Paul had traveled into Macedonia. He had come to the, the northern part first, um, that was the most accessible part from where he had been in Turkey um, to a port near Philippi. Um, and he ministers in Philippi. Then he goes to Thessalonica. He is uh, very quickly um, persecuted in Thessalonica, leaves there, uh, continues on, uh, travels south through Greece. Uh, back then it was all known as Macedonia. And uh, he begins to minister in Berea, uh, the, the Thessalonian um, persecutors actually follow him to Berea, continue to persecute him there, and Paul continues on uh, south. He ends up in Athens, um, has uh, a fairly short ministry in Athens. Um, he uh, argues with uh, or presents the argument of Christ to the, uh, uh, the elite uh, intellectuals on Mars Hill, um, and then from there, he, he leaves and goes to Corinth, uh, continuing on south. And so while he's in Corinth, he actually stays in Corinth uh, for quite a, a long time, well, at least for Paul, it's quite a long time. He stays there for about a year and a half and uh, has a, a substantial ministry there. He, he kind of uses it as a launch point for uh, other ministry, for um, sending out people to do ministry, build up leaders. While he's in Corinth, um, he, he hears about um, the church in Thessalonica and that it is surviving and it is actually thriving, that they have held on to the faith, that they have continued on uh, in their faith, even though there is uh, some persecution going on. And so he writes the first letter to the Thessalonian church, and then uh, pretty soon after that, he gets another report uh, from what's going on in Thessalonica that uh, kind of alarms him. Um, which prompts him to write another letter to uh, continue in the same theme, basically. Uh, there, there seems to be in Thessalonica uh, a preoccupation with the, the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ, which, um, like I said before, um, is a major teaching in the New Testament. One out of every 25 verses in the New Testament alludes to or uh, directly um, mentions the return of Christ or has something to do with the, the second coming of Christ. And so it's a very major and important uh, doctrine of the New Testament, of Christianity, um, of biblical doctrine, uh, that Jesus is going to return. And so uh, for the church in Thessalonica, um, it, it is kind of their um, overwhelming or all-encompassing um, focus is on the return of Christ. And so Paul has to address it uh, quite a bit in his letters uh, to that church there. And so uh, there, there's another misunderstanding about the return of Christ. So there's at least probably two um, that he addresses in the, the second uh, letter to the Thessalonians. Um, and, and one is that uh, they had this idea that um, perhaps they had heard some reports, and maybe this is just a rumor going around, but there had been some reporting that um, Jesus had already returned, and they had missed it somehow. Um, and there's a, quite a bit of alarm about that. There's quite a bit of concern about the, the possibility that perhaps Jesus has returned, and we've missed it, and now we're just stuck um, in this situation. And so 
Paul goes into quite a bit of, of detail and length um, to help them to understand the reality that Jesus, his second return or his return is not going to happen secretly. It's not going to happen um, in a way that people would be able to miss it. Um, it it's going to be uh, something that the whole world is going to know when he, he returns. It's going to put an end to evil. It's going to uh, be the final reward for those who trust him. Um, and so there's no, no missing it. There's no doubt that the believers are going to have uh, or be included in it. Uh, there's no way for the believers to not be included in the second coming of Christ. And so part of why that's important for the Th- Thessalonian church in particular, which was important for most churches in that day and, and many churches in our own day, wh- was the reality that uh, there were um, there are so many people in their church that were suffering um, intensely because of persecution, that life um, on the earth uh, in those days, as a Christian, was um, miserable. They're, they were dealing with constant conflict. They had, uh, they were not accepted by the Jewish people that that they had um, been grafted into a, as um, part of the inheritance of of the people of God. Uh, the Jewish people, uh, by and large, who were not Christians or who didn't accept Jesus as their Messiah, were persecuting Christians, and also. Uh, the Romans, uh, in the culture that they lived in, did not accept Christianity as uh, a legal religion either. And so they're, they're being persecuted from all sides. Uh, Christians, especially in Thessalonica, um, where the persecution is most intense. And so um, the idea that perhaps they missed the second coming of Christ and they're stuck in this situation um, was a, a big concern for them. Uh, and so Paul addresses that, and he helps them to uh, find the, the motivation and the strength needed to undergo continued um, suffering and persecution and, and, and encourages them that, that they're not going to miss out on the reward uh, that is ours in Christ, that heaven and eternal life and uh, a cessation of sin and evil and, and wickedness, that's all going all gonna to end. Um, that uh, And as believers that we're included as God's children, as his sons and daughters, as uh, brothers and sisters with Christ, that, that there's, there's absolutely uh, no way, there's no, uh, no chance that you're going to miss uh, being included in the, the wonderful rewards of heaven. And so um, part of that, though, then leads to Paul's um, further detail of what's going to precede the return of Christ, some of the, the events that are going to happen um, cosmically or worldwide or um, that are going to lead into um, the return of Christ, some of the things that you won't be able to miss. And so chapter 2 uh, of first or Second Thessalonians um, begins to uh, outline um, the Antichrist and uh, this, this person that will be revealed in the end who will uh, cause and be the center point or the epicenter of so much pain and suffering in the world who's going to oppose Christ and who is going to oppose Christianity and cause so much uh, pain and turmoil in the world that we have um, other books of the Bible that, that give us some detail about who, it, who this is. The book of Daniel uh, gives a lot of information about the Antichrist, um, and the book of Revelation gives us uh, a lot of information about the Antichrist. Uh, John, in his letters, and we'll get there later, um, talks about Antichrist uh, as the person, that singular person, but also all those who oppose Christ as being 
um, included as um, anti-Christ. So there are many different uh, people who express an anti-Christ uh, persona or attitude or philosophy, uh, but there's one person who's going to be at the center of uh, the end times um, uh, situation. He's going to be at the center of so many of the events of the end times. Um, and Paul begins to just lay out this this lawless man, this this man who has the secret power of lawlessness, um, and um, begins to just help the church to understand. Like, until you see these things happen, you you don't have to con- be concerned that you're going to miss the return of Christ. Um, and so that gives the church today a lot of information that we need to to have uh, concerning where. Our hope is that we know that that we are included in the same promises, and that we also have the same types of events that um, that are outlined in Second Thessalonians that we are also continuing to look for. That that Jesus is not going to return until some of these things happen, um, and so Paul uh, lays that out. And Second Thessalonians is one of the books that lays it out um, more profoundly, clearly. Even though it's just three chapters. Um, there's a lot of information in Second Thessalonians that is um, unique and gives detail that uh, even though we have some ideas of the Antichrist, who he is, what, what he's going to do, and how he's going to function, um, Paul gives um, some details that some of the other books uh, don't have. And so corresponding and, and uh, complementary uh, information that is helpful. Uh, and so in chapter 3, we also see that Paul... Uh, has another uh, aspect or side of this concern or issue or misunderstanding of the return of Christ that that uh, was causing issues within the the church in Thessalonica, which is that um, in chap and specifically Second Thessalonians three eleven, he says we hear that some of among you are idle, um, and so he he's addressing that there um, are people in chapter three that for whatever reason um, have given up trying to really provide for themselves, and they've just, um, I don't want to say manipulated, but they've really depended, I guess, on the uh, the charity of the church. And the church is um, fundamentally supposed to be generous and, and charitable and, and helpful and, and support one another. And especially in the first century, that was happening uh, to a, a, a tremendous degree, a great degree. Uh, there was a lot of charitability among Christians because they didn't really have anybody else to support them. Um, and so they not only helped one another, they also helped the poor and the needy, uh, the sick and the downcast and the oppressed, um, wherever they may be found, whether they were Christians or Jewish or, or Gentiles or, or Romans, whoever, it didn't really matter. Uh, their their philosophy, their, their religion, um, and their faith, it, it led them to be charitable to anyone. And so... What was happening is that some people within the church um, were relying on that charitability, even though they were also included in trying to be charitable to others. Um, they they should have been, um, and yet they were um, using that uh, for themselves. They were using the charitability of the church uh, to support themselves and not work. And we think that the reason for that was that uh, they they were expecting the return of Christ so immediately and so quickly, so soon, that uh, they, they, I guess they felt like they didn't need to work, they didn't need to uh, take care of their future or, or worry about what was going to happen um, 
for their household or for their income for their jobs because you know in a, in some amount of days weeks months or whatever uh, Jesus is going to return and, and all that stuff's not going to matter and that is a philosophy that you don't see too much anymore but you do see it sometimes when when you have um, some world events that are happening around us like we do and like we have um, people begin to think oh the end times are, are right around the corner and and the reality is that uh, that that is possible it is quite possible that uh, uh, we're moving uh, very quickly towards the the end times um, we're moving quickly towards uh, the tribulation period that that's that's a very good possibility um, but some people take that as well I'm going to and this is may sound weird to some people a lot of people maybe but uh, they'll just rack up uh, huge debt uh, credit card debt or, or loans or whatever that they have no intention of paying back because, hey, Jesus is going to return. So they begin to um, borrow money or, or do things like that, that um, they think that they're going to somehow escape, you know, the uh, consequence of paying that back. Um, and and I, like I said, a lot of people would hear that and say that just sounds strange or, or um, uh, weird or in some way. But I've seen it happen. I've seen people do this. And um, the issue is not only is that unwise, but it's also unchristian. It, it's it's unbiblical and it's unspiritual in, in this sense of God has commanded us to be good stewards. He's commanded us to, um, to take care of others. He's commanded us to not be worldly and not be uh, materialistic. I mean, there, there are so many things about this whole idea of of somehow I'm going to borrow money and I'm going to uh, rack up credit card debt and I'm going to, you know, have, I'm going to just uh, live it up kind of um, right now because, you know, Jesus is going to return. So what, what difference does it make? Um, it just does not speak to um, the reality of what a Christian is supposed to be, um, that we, we are supposed to live as an example in this world of faithfulness and trust in the Lord and um, to live wisely and to, to live simply the best that we can. And, and so Paul addresses that issue, and he basically says that if, if you do not work, then you don't eat, um, that, that we ought to be earning our way, that we ought to be doing what we can, not only for ourselves, but also for others, that um, there's something about this, uh, this work ethic uh, that he had, that he, he declared to the Thessalonians, when I was with you, I was working. You know, I was providing my own way, and uh, nobody could ever um, blame me or accuse me of, of being idle or, or mooching off of anybody. I, I made sure I earned my own bread. Uh, even though he was providing uh, the gospel to people, he never used that as an occasion uh, to be lazy or to take advantage. And so he basically declares that this is this is what it means to, to be a Christian. I mean, it's one of the aspects of what it means to be a Christian is that um, we have a, a, a work ethic that says that I'm not here um, just to get by. I'm not here to, to skate by. Uh, I'm here to work uh, for what I need, but also I want to make you know what I can to help others out. I want to have the ability to be generous and to be helpful, charitable um, to those in need. And so... Um, that's partly what Second Thessalonians uh, addresses, but the issue of the return of Christ, um, how we live in a world where we expect the return of Christ is this, that even if Jesus returned tomorrow, okay, and uh, depending on how you interpret Scripture, 
um, and the events that need to happen to you know precede the return of Christ. I don't believe that Jesus will um, be able to return tomorrow. I, I think there are a lot of things that have to happen before that could happen. Um, but regardless, uh, whenever this happens, whenever the tribulation occurs, whenever the rapture may happen, whenever Jesus is going to return to the earth, um, is something that we should watch for and we should be having a hopeful expectation for, but also that we ought to, in, in a sense, um, put out of our minds and live faithfully in the world uh, until the final moments, whatever those moments are. We, we need to live as if we're going to die um, before Jesus returns and, and that we could do so with a good conscience. And this is part of what Second Thessalonians is, is teaching, uh, that uh, the church ought to be faithful to, to witness, to uh, be an example, uh, to glorify Christ, um, and to help others up until the final moments, whatever those moments are. You know, whether that's persecution, whether it's uh, natural death, whether it's the return of Christ, whether it's the rapture, uh, whatever it is, but living faithfully in the here and now until that moment with a hopeful expectation that Jesus, when he does return, when we meet him in the air, when we go to heaven, uh, that we will uh, enjoy the rewards that he promised. Um, but for now, uh, our job is to be faithful. And so that's what Second Thessalonians uh, begins to teach. I hope that you'll read it. It is a fantastic and short book. Um, part of our Bible and, uh, and part of your Bible as you read it book by book.